those of us who decide to follow Jesus decide to live life a little bit differently than people who don't. And what we're going to hear this morning are words of instruction for our life together as a body of Christ. So listen as Brian reads the message this morning. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please join me in an attitude of prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you as we seek to follow your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you have ever played a board game? Monopoly, Clue, Sorry, anything along those lines. Okay, that's most of you, that's good. Um, One of the things that my husband Joel and I enjoy doing is playing board games. And we get quite competitive in our gameplay. We both like to win. This occasionally poses a problem when one of us is winning a lot and the other one is not. And so sometimes we'll take a break and play something that's gained popularity in recent years, which is called a cooperative game. Anybody heard of cooperative games? A couple of you? Well, the premise is, instead of playing against other players in the game, everyone works together to play against the game itself. And one of the games that we play that's a cooperative game is called Flashpoint Fire Rescue. And the premise is we're all firefighters and we're going into a burning building and we're trying to save people and pets before the building collapses. And so you have to work together, you have to talk with one another, you strategize as a team to decide together what your next move is going to be. And the interesting part about this game is that each player has an individual skill that they possess to help in the mission of the game. And so some people are... might. One person might be a rescue specialist who's able to chop through walls so you can get from the kitchen to the bedroom more quickly and rescue somebody through the wall. 
Somebody else might be a veteran, and that special skill is to help those around them on the game board and give them extra moves. And there might be somebody who's a fire truck operator who can put out large swaths of fire at any one time in one single turn. There's also a structural engineer, somebody who can keep the building from collapsing. So there's a lot of detail to this game, as you can imagine. But all of the firefighters put out fire, and all of the firefighters are working together to rescue people. It's just that certain players have unique skills that only they can offer. And so as my family has gotten more familiar with this game, my husband and I play it, but this is actually one of my mom's favorite games, um, we've learned which skills are available in the game. But not every skill happens to belong to a player in every game, which means that occasionally we'll notice a skill is missing. And so we'll say to ourselves as we're talking, as we're strategizing, I wish somebody had the fire captain skill this time because then we could make this particular move. Or wouldn't it be helpful if somebody had the skill of a paramedic so we could do X, Y, Z? Or man, I wish that somebody was the fire captain in this round, in this game, because we really could use that skill at this moment. Because the thing is, in this game, we all win or lose together. It doesn't matter what individual skill anybody has unless we're using it for the greater good. And sometimes when skills are missing, we can't play the game together as effectively. It really makes a difference when certain gifts are not present around the table. And it makes a difference in the church when certain gifts are not present among us. The truth is that everybody has something unique to offer. Each one of you carries a gift and a passion that is unique to only you. People around you might have similar gifts, you might have similar passions, but nobody else offers that exact combination that you bring with you today to worship. And in fact, there are certain things that only you can do. There are certain things that only you can do. If you are married, for example, you're the only one who can have the quality of relationship that you have with your spouse. No one else can work on that relationship for you. No one else is going to share that exact relationship with your partner. If you look at the hours that you spend in a day, there are certain things that many of us do that other people could probably take care of. But no one else can substitute in for the role of a spouse, or a parent, or a child. There are plenty of things that you can delegate in this life, but those are not things that can be delegated. I went to a continuing education session this summer, or last year, excuse me, through the Lewis Center for Church Leadership out of Washington, D.C., and we got the opportunity to meet clergy leaders from around the country one of them was a United Methodist pastor in Washington, D.C. named Joe Daniels. And Joe Daniels had this to say about leadership, both in the church and in our daily lives. He said, first things first, second things never. In other words, if there is something that only you uniquely can do, that's a top priority. 
put that at the top of your list. And if there's something else where someone other than you could fill in and do what needs to be accomplished, and it wouldn't matter that it's you in particular doing it, then that is a second thing. And you might need to let that go and let somebody else take care of it because you have a limited number of hours in your day. Joe Daniels may not be the first person to use this phrase, but he's the first person that I heard articulated in this way. First things first, second things never. Now this doesn't mean that you can just give up the things that you don't like to do and say, well, somebody else can do that. I hate to tell you, but you and only uniquely you can fold your own socks and load your own dishwasher and brush your own teeth for that matter. Only you and uniquely you can fulfill your job description at work, whatever that thing might be. But putting the first thing first does mean prioritizing all of the many things that we have to do in our lives. Whether it's in the church, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, too often we neglect the first things, those things that only we are able to offer, whether it's in our workplace, in the church, or in our families. And so the trick is figuring out what are those things that only you uniquely can offer to the world. And I think that relates in which relates to the areas in which God has gifted us. So thinking about my own life, for me and probably for many of you, family is a first thing. No one else can have the relationship that I have with my husband, Joel. No one else can have the kind of relationship I have with my parents or with my grandparents. I can't delegate that because no one else can fulfill that role in my family. And yet there are times, for all of us I think, when family gets bumped to the level of a secondary thing because we have all these other urgent tasks in front of us that we think we have to accomplish and so that first thing isn't as much of a priority as perhaps it should be. Relationships are not something that anyone else can do for us. And speaking of relationships, there's our relationship with God, our faith walk. Nobody else but you, uniquely you, can work on your relationship with God or volunteer at the church or take a class to continue to grow in your spiritual formation. And yet so often, for many of us, time with God is one of those things that gets bumped because we sort of think, oh, that's not urgent on the to-do list, time alone in silence in prayer, time at a class, time volunteering at church, gets bumped from that position as a first thing. Now, in the matter of secondary things, this is important to talk about, shouldn't everybody be willing to do any job? Well, yes, is the answer to that question. None of us should be above picking up trash like many of our families did yesterday. They went over to Depot Park and took part in a, in a cleanup. That's members of the community taking care of a park in the town. We should be willing to do that as Christians. Our Savior Jesus, he washed people's feet. He washed his disciples' feet. And that was largely regarded as one of the most disgusting, demeaning jobs anyone could have had at the time. So as followers of Christ, we're not above doing dirty work. We're not above any kind of task. But we are about prioritization. 
because there are so many things in our lives that compete for our attention, for our time, for our focus. We can't let ourselves lose sight of those unique situations where we have something to offer that nobody else can offer. And that's when we need to keep thinking about spiritual gifts. Our scripture this morning is about parts of the body. There's the eye and the foot and the ear. And if the whole body were an eye, how would we hear? If the whole body was an ear, how would we smell? And so on and so forth. If you've taken a spiritual gifts inventory, you may already know what your spiritual gifts are, whether you're an eye or an ear or a nose, so to speak. If you haven't had the opportunity to take a spiritual gifts inventory, or maybe not in the recent, you know, the recent past, there is a link in your bulletin that you can easily type in online and take a spiritual gifts inventory through the United Methodist Church online. Um, if you haven't done one of those, I would invite you to do that, follow that link, or go on Google and, and uh, search for it that way. Each one of us has gifts that cannot be duplicated, that cannot be replicated. And so when you take that quiz, you might learn, for example, that your gift, one of your gifts, is hospitality. If your gift is hospitality, that should become your first thing in your life and in your life at at the church here, because no one else can offer that gift in the way that you can. So that's an invitation, if your gift happens to be hospitality, to talk to Sherry Suggs, who's in charge of hospitality here, or maybe talk to Deacon Laura, who's also helping out with hospitality, because we're in the midst of a construction project, in case you hadn't noticed, and it is difficult to figure out which entrance to come in, how to get from one part of the building to the next. Hospitality is an incredibly important gift in the life of our church. If the idea of talking to new people makes you really nervous and uncomfortable, and you don't like giving directions, or maybe you're not able to stand for a long period of time, or you don't have a way to be present outside or or wherever it might be in the building, well, maybe hospitality is not your first thing. And that's okay, because you have something else, maybe a couple of something else, that are your first thing. There are seasons to each kind of priority and spiritual gift because... We can grow, we can change, we can be transformed over time. There might be somebody sitting here who really would be a great greeter now, but 10 years ago, oh no, oh no, don't ask them to greet. There might be somebody sitting here this morning who right now would really not like to be a greeter, but give them 20 years and they'll be the most hospitable, welcoming greeter that you ever met. When we're talking about relationships, too, things shift, things change, things transform over time. Some of the people who are the most important in your life right now, today, they may not be here next year, 10 years from now. And that's why it's so important to put that first thing first. Make that the priority. Our first things now may not be those first things two years from now. But for today... We need to know what our spiritual gifts are, what those relationships are in our lives that cannot be delegated, and we need to prioritize. Some of you may have heard of the book Strengths Finder, which is another tool for identifying talents and things that you might be good at. And the, um, the premise of the book is that 
Each person has strengths. And instead of trying to shore up our weaknesses, we're trying to build even further on our strengths. Now, they're talking about leadership characteristics, but almost any leadership characteristic can be a spiritual gift if it's employed for the glory of God. And in the Christian faith walk, we do want to work on our weaknesses. We don't want to just ignore those. But that's something kind of unique to say, hey, I'm good at hospitality, and I want to continue to grow in that area. Or, hey, I'm good at teaching. I want to push myself and challenge myself to be the best teacher that I can be. Paul's letter to the Corinthians points to the fact that there is something fundamental in each of us that we have to offer that is different than what other people have to offer. And we need to build on those gifts that we've been given by God and strengthen them so that we can make disciples, so we can transform the world, so we can vitally connect people to people and people to God. Some of you in the room this morning, you might be just downright friendly person. You might have that kind of personality that draws other people in. That is a spiritual gift. Some of you might be strategic thinkers. Again, that can be a spiritual gift if you employ it for the good of the church and the glory of God. Some of you might be good at articulating things in ways that other people can understand. That's a spiritual gift. You might have the gift of helping out with whatever's needed, even if it's behind the scenes and you don't get all the credit for it. You might be an awesome encourager who really bolsters up your friends when they're feeling down or feeling discouraged. You might be a helper who's willing to assist others in the tasks they undertake. The thing is, the church needs each one of us. The church needs each one of you. And the world needs each one of us. We need your encouragement. We need your passion for mission. We need your gifts of healing, your generosity, your gifts of teaching. The world needs these gifts. No one else can offer what you have to offer for the sake of God in this world. Now, there's no reason to compare your gifts to your neighbor and look on down the pew and say, oh, well, they have this gift and I I just don't have... I don't have that. There's no gift that's inherently better than another gift. They're just different. Like Paul said to the Corinthians, noses, eyes, ears, they're all important. They're all essential. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not stop it from being part of the body. God's placed all these different gifts and all these different passions among us God's given us different strengths and abilities. Your second thing, your thing that you maybe don't care for as much, you don't really like to do as much, maybe you don't have gifts in those areas, that is somebody else's first thing. And that's why we come together as a body of Christ so that we bring all of our first things together and the church is able to function. The body of Christ is able to function together. Your gifts are like a missing piece of the puzzle. When we each bring what we have, you can see the whole picture. But if somebody's missing from the table, there's a gap. Just like my family when we're playing the game Fighting fighting Fire, we notice when there are certain skills or gifts that have not been brought to the table, it's so important that we offer 
the gifts that we have. Each one of us has something unique to offer God in the world. So let's put those things first, those gifts, those passions, those relationships, and let's get ready for the glory of God to shine through. Amen.